Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Ezra, Shimon Ben Yitzchak, and Masha Bas Yitzchak. It's getting closer. Ask any Balabasta. Today's getting very close. And unfortunately, when we take a candle and put it up to the sun, we don't see the light of the candle. If you take the can- same candle and you put it in a, come into a pitch dark room, you'll see the whole room illuminate. So, we obviously know the difference. The overwhelming light of the sun comparison to the candle. Whereas, a little bit of light pushes away a lot of darkness. So Purim is here in another week. Next week in Metz Shem, well, Which is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful Yom Purim. Really is. It's nice and it's, it's fun and it's family oriented. It's special. But it comes on the on the wings not on the heels obviously because the heels happens after. It comes on the wings of Pesach. Every Balabasta knows that Purim is one month to Pesach. And every Balabasta looks at Purim and says, Oh no! All that shalachmanis, all that junk, all that stuff that you're going to have in the house now. It needs to be finished, not in a month. You can't put it away for the year. It needs to be finished in two weeks. <laughs> because once the Shredish Nissen hits, you can't have this stuff in the house. It's ridiculous. So, the world has done a wonderful thing, and they keep uniting and reuniting, and saying that, let's do um, corporate or or general shalach manas. What's general shalach manas? The mitzvah is you have to give two brachas to two people. In other words, if you give a chocolate and a wafer, the chocolate being shahakal and the wafer and mezainus, two different brachis, and you give two such gifts to two different people. Your yaitza with shalach manas. Actually, that is shalach manas. <coughs> Excuse me. Unfortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, people feel an endearment to others, and therefore they want to show them their appreciation for their friendship and for their relationship, etc. And therefore they go all out and they spend exorbitant amounts and then buy these most magnificent baskets, which is beautiful, it's wonderful. 
A, in Hebrew we say chaval like Yosef, it's a shame about wasting the money. Although the storekeeper needs to make money too. The guy, the Shalachmanah's maker, lives off this for a few months. And unfortunately for him, competition has become fierce. And people come up with all the different shmanzas. You have to buy for the shveh, you have to buy for the shviger, you have to buy for this one, for that one. And of course, everybody has to outdo the Joneses, not keep up with the Joneses, but outdo them. So it becomes a very, very fierce war. And the worst part behind it is, (laughs) ironically, the New York, or actually the worldwide probably, came up recently, a couple of the last few years, with the concept of recycling. Where they take the cans and the bottles, the metal, the plastic, the glass, and they recycle it. It's put to use again. It's put back to use. Which is great. Which is fantastic. Which is amazing. You're doing the economy a favor. You're doing the ecology a favor. You're doing the world a favor. You're doing... Everybody's getting done favors from this. There's no um, piles of garbage and dust and dirt and everything and burning and etc. 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 All the things that recycling does for us. And not a science class. And the bottom line is that people take their shalach and recycle them. There's no reason to hold on to this. I have no purpose for this. And you go out of your way to buy something really spectacular, a, a picture frame or a, uh, a kvar to wash your hands or, or something really decorative or something silver or, or whatever it might be to show the person the great appreciation that you have for them. And it gets, so we say, lost in translation. And we find, therefore, people simply recycle. They take that very same gift that you gave that was so much, and meant so much to you, and you really wanted this, the person to understand how much you appreciate them and how much you want to do for them, how much you want to repay them, but you can't say it in words, and you can't do it, it's never enough, and you go out and you spend this exorbitant amount of money on this wonderful, beautiful, beautiful shalachmanis, with the most delicate, the most phenomenal delicacies, (coughs) and the person looks at it and says, fantastic, and the first thing you do when you get such a shalachmanis, is you take your magnifying glass 
and you go over the whole outside of it, and you make sure there's no label that says, from this person to you. (coughs) Immediately, there's no lack of people that come to mind. Comes to mind, the first important friend that you would want to give, and poop, off it goes. That wonderful, beautiful shachmanis that that person spent or went out of their way to put together and to to literally show their akaras tape to you, etc. You pick up and you tell the next kid, do me a favor, take this to this and this person. So you have the people that wait for these Mishalach Madison so they can give it to the other people, and they don't bother going out even buying. And then there's certain things that you know the person's going to come to your house, and they're going to look, and they're going to want to see where that gift is, and therefore you have a problem, you're stuck with it. <laughs> a rubber door handle. <laughs> Something you have no idea what to do with. Shalachmanis is a beautiful mitzvah, and there's no reason to clutter other people's homes, and there's no reason to take away the panasah from the person selling the shalachmanis. Many, many organizations, many maestas have collective shalachmanis, where you can say, I want to give to this person, and this person, and that person. Five dollars each for these people. And then there are another 5, 10, 15 people that want to give to those same people. And therefore they all, shall we say, chip in. And they make it one big Mashallah Manas. And it's beautiful. It's amazing. And the person gets that one beautiful Mashallah Manas and it says a list of all the people that gave it to them. And you're very happy. In the meantime, of course, you go and you see to it that you give your own Mashallah Manas to two people. As simple as it gets, it could be a fruit and a, and a cake, or as I said before, a wafer and a chocolate. And you've, you're Makayim the Mitzah. And by doing this, you could be Makayim another Mitzah, which is even greater, which also a Mitzah of Purim. I'm recording a share. In the middle of a year. Also, one of the mitzvahs of Purim, which is Matanas Lavyanim, gifts for the poor. So, if you're the type of person that has a budget, a Purim budget of 100 200 $500, whatever it might be, and you spend $75 on Shalach Manis, and the rest you can give to the poor, and believe me, it does a lot more. Matanas Avyanim to make sure that the poor person has a Suda. Matanas Avyanim to start Kimcha the Pischa. Start putting together money for the poor people for Pesach. Matanas Avyanim is at a much higher level than Mishalach Manis, simply because Shachmanis you're giving to the person, as we said before, some people recycle, some people eat, some people take it. Unless you're sending him Shachmanis, a Sudas Purim. 
Some people sent to this Purim Shachmana, which is originally the, the original um, path of Mishachmanis was to give for Siddhas Purim. Whatever you're sending should be used for the Siddha. So sending milk or chocolate obviously is not something that's going to fit that criteria of eating a fleshka meal. Um, but one would send challah and fish or uh, whatever, things that a person would use for the meal. The problem becomes with that also, that you can't, you overload a person, the person has nothing to do with it, there's not enough people to eat what you sent them, and what other people sent, everything else, then it becomes exaggerated. And then other people will look at it and say, I won't eat in this house, I won't eat in that house, I'd rather eat in anybody's house, and I don't want to take from anyone's house, so homemade food is not going to float the boat either. So whereas the olden days, a challah with a bottle of wine was the shachmanis, that was very ample. In today's day and age, I mean, Baruch Hashem, people have challah and people have wine. There are several mitzvahs on Purim. One is listening to the Megillah. Mishleach Manis. Matanis Levyenim. And Su'udas Purim. Now, when we read the Megillah at night, we make the bracha Shehechiyanu. By day we make a bracha shechianu again. But by day we have in mind the other mitzvahs of Purim, which are the ones we mentioned before, so this Purim, Shnachmanis, and Matanis Havyenim. Although we don't make a bracha doing those mitzvahs, and we do them only once a year, so we don't make the actual shechianu well. We do the mitzvah, we have the bracha in mind when we, make the, when we read the Megillah in the morning. We'll go over the of these laws next week. This Shabbos is Shabbos Pashas Vayikra. We embark on the new book of Vayikra, Leviticus, um, which is only the second, it's hard to pronounce, is the one for the Varim, Deuteronomy. And this Shabbos is also a second Sefer comes out, which is Pasha Zacher. Pasha's Zohar is Min HaTera, is Midairaisa, it's from the Tera. Everybody <coughs> is obligated to go hear the reading of Pasha Zohar. Everybody includes men, women, and children. Obviously not infants, if you don't have an Erev, you can't carry an infant to shul. And if, it's such, if the case is as such, then we switch off Every neighborhood, every community has early readings of Zacher so that the women can go to hear Pasha Zacher first and then the husband can go to Shul when they come back. And every community probably has also later minyan of Zacher, which again would be the same scenario where hopefully the husband has gone to Shul early at a regular time and has come home from Shul so that the wife can go out and here Pasha Zacher. As long as the child can behave in Shul, 
as long as you can keep the child quiet for the two and a half minutes it takes to read Zohar, it's com- recommended that you do bring the child to shul. And that Pasha Zohar is heard by each and every person. Rabbi, I don't have a minion in my area. It's a tremendous far walk for me to get to hear Pasha Zohar. So, the rabbi answers very oddly, drive. Wait, 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 wait. Not on Shabbos, Drive on Purim. On Purim day, make sure you get to Shul, where again they're going to read, before the Megillah, they're going to read about the wiping out of Amalek, Unlike on Shabbos, Pasha Zacher, we read from Kiseitze, on Purim day we read Naim Psukim from Bishalach. So if you miss it, Chas Vashalom, on Shabbos, for whatever given reason it might be, one may go to Shul on Purim day and hear the, the reading of the Terib prior to Megillah, which would compensate for that. Can I hear both? 100%. Can a bracha be made on both? 100%. Pasha Zohar. Here we keep talking and talking. We said nothing about Shabbos. Okay, or Pasha. Pasha Zohar. As we said before, we take out two sefritera. One sefritera will read from Vayikra. And the second sefritera will be reading... From Kiseite, the last few psukim, which reminds us of what Amalek has done to us when we left Mitzrayim. Haftera is Kaina Parsha usually. The Haftera was written because since there was a decree against the Jews not to read the Tera, so the sages set up, established Hafteris. It's not a half tear, no, that's not the translation. But it makes up for the tear because of the content. Content being something pachos, something similar to the pasha, which is found in the Nevi'im and the Ksuvim. Nevi'im usually. So the Haftarah Pasha Zohar, since it's the most relevant of the Shabbos, although Vayikra is the Shabbos, it's called Shabbos Vayikra, it's called Pasha Zohar, called Shabbos Zohar, and therefore, we read the Pasha Vayikra seven alias, and then instead of repeating the Maftir, for Maftir we open the second Sefer Tera, as we said before, we read from Kiseitze about Amalek. And therefore, the Haftarah follows, and the Haftarah is that of the wiping out of Amalek. Shaul HaMelech was sent by the prophet Shmuel to go to Agag, Melech Amalek, and destroy him. Leave nothing. 
men, women, children, animals, nothing, desecrate, destroy a Amalek, wipe it out, eradicate totally. However, Avtera <coughs> tells us that the sheep, the flock, were amazing, and Shol, as a Jewish king, felt that this would be great to bring us carbonous sacrifices. Because we always want to bring from the best possible. Although we don't always understand what a sacrifice is and how a sacrifice works, hopefully Mitchell will get to it soon as we discuss Pasha's Vayikra. Shaul wanted to bring the most beautiful sacrifices to God and saw the animals here and he says, Oh, it's a shame to destroy this it's a beautiful animal that I could take and bring for a carbon. However, that was not your instructions. So though Shoal comes back and says, Hakimaisi as Dvar Hashem, I actually did what God wanted, I killed out everybody. The Navi tells him, Ma'astas Dvar Hashem. You disgusted. Words of God. You desecrated. And for this, it was such a severe sin that royalty was taken away from the family of Shaul. Shaul was king, and then when he passed, it was not given over to his children, the royalty, but rather it was taken away. So his descendants were no longer royalty. That was a punishment for not listening to God and taking the sheep. What happened here? What actually happened really was, according to the first, according to the commentaries, the Agag, the king, and the latter of the Amalekites were very well versed in black, black magic. And therefore, they converted themselves to animals. Hello? Yeah? John, I need an hour. I'm middle of the recording. Okay, thanks. They converted into forms of animals. And nobody could figure out which was the animals and which was the people that became animals, and therefore he did not wipe out the entire nation of Amalek. If you keep your score at home, the Gemara in Yuma, Chavbez Amid Bez, 22 side 2, tells us, testifies on show that he was clean, Naki Mechet Kitinuk Ben Shana. Like a child, a one-year-old child, he was clean of sin. The Pasuk says, Ben Shona In the year of his, first year of his kingdom. So it's definitely out of the question that Shaul, God forbid, wanted to do a sin and wanted to go against God's want, God's will. And to justify his sin, 
and to denounce his sin, shall we say, in total um, denial, by saying, Hakimaisi is Dvar Hashem, I, I did what God wanted. So not enough that he mistakenly made a calculation, By testifying to it, he wasn't looking to lie. He really felt that he did the right thing and he did complete exactly what his mission was supposed to be. The ultimate sin here was, as we said, he didn't destroy all the sheep and livestock of Amalek. Like God commanded. And he brought them for sacrifices to God. His mistake came about by his lack of knowledge of what sacrifices really are. He knew the basic foundation of a sacrifice. That when you take a physical animal, which is the uh, symbol of physicality and worldly matters, and you bring them close to God. And thereby, you take the darkness of the physical and of the mundane, and you elevate it to a spiritual light and to a godly fashion. That's according as far as he understood, as far as he perceived. That's what a karm, that's what a sacrifice is all about. By taking the actual physical essence of the world and turning it into a spiritual essence. Shall know another step yet. That the gift of these sacrifices since one succeeds should one succeed on reverting the darkness itself into a beautiful beautiful strong strong light that's within the darkness itself Shaul had a tremendous opportunity in front of him to take the sheep from Amalek, the livestock of Amaleks, the worst of the lowest of the dark nations that could be Amalek, and to elevate this, to make it a carbon Fashem. What better way to make a Kiddush Hashem? To take the actual, it's not a Jew's, a Jew person, okay, a Jew personally brings his carbon. And he says, take my sin, take my physical um, shortcomings, whatever you want to call them, and may it transfer over 
to this karm, to this sacrifice, please bring it before God, put it up for an offering, burn the parts that need to be burned, so God gets the scent of the burning flesh, and all the other spices and everything that was put on with that, and the blood be sprayed on the holy altar, so that I may be forgiven, or I may be elevated, or I may be given a, a higher spiritual level in life. So when you take that of a Yid, and the Yid does that himself, it's a Jewish mitzvah, it's a Jewish animal, and the Jewish person's animal, and therefore it has a lot of substantiality to it. But when you take the lowest nation's animals, and you take their animal, and you elevate their animal to become Kedusha, to become a carbon. Shal thought this is the best way to be man, to, to make a Kiddush Hashem. To bring up the chain the Bakr of Amalek, the Kaddish Baruch And therefore he came with full confidence and full-heartedly saying, Hakim Ma'isi is Dvar Hashem. This is what the world is all about. Lastly, to make the dwelling place of God in this world. In this world, there are different levels. So if I bring God into a Bismarck, big deal. I brought him into a shul. I brought him into a place where there's a fetale, people daven, people learning. Beautiful thing, nice and everything. But if I take God and I put godliness into the darkest of spots of the world and I bring it into the most mundane, lowest levels of the world, I bring them and elevate them to godliness, this is a beyond. This is a step that's way up and above. His grave sin, his grave mistake was, his seichel was confused, was mixed up with the commandment of God. His intention was good. The idea was amazing. In essence. But the main thing was, as we say, you're missing the point. The main stay point is being left out here. This is not what God wanted in this case. God commanded a total different mission. God's command was to totally eradicate So the pure intentions, the spiritual intentions, the holy intentions, the ideas of the greatest high realm are sometimes considered avidizana when they go their idol worship, if they go against what God specifically says. And this is Aveda, which is Zara to the Avish is strange to God. And therefore, although you thought you did it right, you thought you had all the right intentions, but if you didn't do it according to the book, as we say, and you didn't do it according to Dvar Alokha, you didn't do it according to the Dvar Abanim, you didn't do it according to Das Teira, Chas Hashalom, you probably didn't do it right.
Shaul made this mistake. One of those mornings, please call me back after 10. Please call me back after 10 in the middle of the meeting. Shaul made a grave mistake. And he went after the reasoning. He took his own initiative and deterred from, detoured from the God's will. He had a lack of Kabbalah's ale. The main thing is not the Seichel, not the philosophy, not the ideas. The main thing is that we have total self-nullification to God. Total dedication and devotion to God. And this is what Shmuel says to show. Heard about all these great beautiful things. Chelev the fats, the shuman, symbolize the understanding, avana, the seichel. Shmua, to hear, represents Kabbalah sale. And Kabbalah sale is much more important, accepting the yoke of God is much more important than chelev of the zevach. In the Sefer Isaiah it says, Kabbalah Sale is the gateway to all spiritual, all things that are holy. And therefore this connects us with the mainstay and the main point of Dvar Hashem. Mm-hmm. This is the key. To elevate in service of God and the success of the work of a person. And therefore definitely you have to understand and know what you're doing, but only with total dedication, nullification, devotion to God, with a way of accepting fully the yoke of God, without any kind of interpretations of your own, without any kind of bright ideas. Unfortunately, one of our bigger problems today, how people literally listen to words, even words of the Rebbe, words of Teda, and they have their own translation. They have their opinion as what the Rebbe says, they have their own opinion of what Rashi says, own opinion of what Taisa says, or any other nefesh, any other commentary. And it runs into a little bit of an issue. The Pasuk tells us though, in our Parsha, it talks about the person bringing the sacrifice. 
usually it's referred to as Adam. Adam Kiyakrimi Kem. A person that sacrifices for himself. Also refers to as Nefesh. A soul. The Nefesh Kisakrim Karma Mincha. Rashi says, actually, it's brought down to his Khanim, Karma, what's Karma? The Lama teaches us that the Yochid, the Snadiv, ate him. The people donated wood. How do we learn the donation of wood from the word carbon, sacrifice? Wood is only a preparation for the actual sacrifice. You can burn the sacrifice. You needed the wood to have the fire to be able to burn it. It wasn't the sacrifice itself. So why do we derive from the word carbon the eights in the wood? Perhaps we say the explanation this is the way the person serves God. We know the words of the Ramban that a person, Adam, Hamakriv, Karm, person that brings a Karm has to think. The truth is that God forbid my blood has to be spilled. The truth is God forbid I have to be burnt myself. There's a chesed abeira, the Hebrew is giving us a kindness, a tremendous kindness, and he's taking from me in exchange. The blood of the sacrifice instead of my blood, the soul instead of my soul. So the sole intention here of a carbon is that the person sacrifices from within himself for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the chesed of the Creator, the kindness of the Almighty, is that in place of God forbid the person himself dying, that God accepts this. So the physical body of the person, the physical person himself goes on to live and the actual sacrifice goes in his stead. According to this we could perhaps say that the reason that there are different types of sacrifices and each type we bring on the Mizbeach different parts because the spiritual service of God of sacrificing the nefesh Adam Lashem, the soul of the person to God. There are different situations. And each situation is different in a way that also involves the different parts of the body of the person that needed to be brought up as karbanas. However, all karbanas are equal. In that, the fundamental and the beginning is the person is prepared to sacrifice and to give his own life for the service of God. What is the difference between Karbanis? Only certain parts to it. What part the person needed to do tshuva? In order that it should be accepted by God. Those that say even that this is all hinted in the wood that's burnt. 
the wood is burning on the Mizbeach for each and every sacrifice. For the wood, as we know, represents the person himself. As the Pasuk in Novi says, Ki ha'odlam eitz hasada, the person is the tree of the field. So when we burn this, it's showing us this bringing closer of the nefesh of the person himself. Therefore we find the burning of the wood is not a just happens to be side thing, just happens to be an add-on as we say it, but rather it's the fundamental part of everything. This is the foundation of all sacrifices. And therefore this is called, we learn from the word carbon sacrifice, we learn the wood. Because the wood represents the actual sacrifice. Then the Pasuk talks about different people. Asher Nasi Yechte. Carrying the sin, or the Nasi himself having doing a sin. Asher, this is Lashen Ashri. How wonderful. Ashrei ha-dersh ha-nasi shalei nesin lev lahovi kapara al shigigosei kal v'chemesh emizcharet al zedinesei. How wonderful it is for a generation where the leader of the generation brings a sacrifice for forgiveness for something he might have accidentally done and definitely for his regret of something that he definitely did. In the four ways of explaining explaining something, Pshat Remez Drushan said, we're going to take the Rem as the hint of what, how we learn out from this. How one needs to serve God. The Medish Tanchuma tells us, every person is considered an Eilam caught in a small world of his own. And according to this, just like in the world, there's a Nasi and a Melech, there's a King and there's a Prince, a leader, a president, same also in our Olam Cotton, in our small world, our body. We have a Melech, a king, which is the head and the mind, which rules over the body. And this is hinted, this is implied in the words of Rashi. Ashrei Hadir, how wonderful is the generation! The behavior of the generation, the person, should be the way it should be. Because through its nasi, it gives heed to the heart. That the mind, which is the nasi as we said, the head, rules over the heart. Mayach shalit al halev. As it brought on the Alter Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe says, Mayach shalit al halev, from birth and the nature, the nature of the person's creation. explains in Tanya, that the heart, rule, the mind rules over the heart. From the, from the beginning, from the get-go, as we say. Every person 
can have within his Ratzon and his Mayach to refrain and to rule over the spirits of folly that he, has, that he comes about, that comes to his heart, and not to fulfill, God forbid, his yearnings or his wants of things that are not the way they should be. But neither in actual Maisa, actual doing, in actual, or even, only even Dibur, or only talking, and even Machshav of even thinking, that in order to control all of this with the concept of Mayach, Shalat al-Halev. And then the person will, Baruch Hashem, will Mietz Hashem, be careful not to ever fall into the trap of any of these sins, heaven forbid. And if God forbid someone does, even a Beshegig, it's not enough that he just does repentance to bring a Karban. He needs to think well, he needs to do soul-searching in the, in the severity of the issue of which he did going against the Ratzon of the Baruch Hu. And then his Nasi will be able to take heed and be able to affect the heart. And the Mayach will work on, the mind will work on totally, totally conquering the heart. That it should be a Lev Nishbevenitke totally broken and understanding that it has total regret for what it did. And through this, not enough that it will be forgiven for the, the shaking, so much more so if they, if they have regrets for what they did, which we all do, I know I do, when I think about the things that I might have done, they are not 100% a mitzvah, not 100% the way it should have been, I know, I think about it and I have to find it, I find it within myself. And the same thing, each and every person makes a call, mm-hmm. makes an effort to make sure that they don't ever fall into doing this on purpose because this is all from the Sahara that twisted the mind and twisted the heart to sin against God. There's so much more to talk about in the Pasha, but unfortunately time is not allowing in our direction. So we learn, therefore, we glean from this the concept of the sacrifice. What is an actual sacrifice? What is an actual karm? How does it reflect today's day and age? What does it do to us and what does it do for us? A person finds themselves constantly sacrificing their time, their effort, their mind, their hearts, their souls. We're in constant sacrifice mode. Sometimes we sacrifice for ourselves, sometimes we sacrifice for others. A person needs to see to it that they dedicate and they devote every living moment, every breathing breath of the day to the service of God. With Kabbalah sale, when we eat with the eating to serve God, we drink to serve God. We work so that we'd have money to serve God, to give tzedakah, etc., etc. And therefore, when a person brings that sacrifice from his own nefesh of Bahamas, it's not a an example only that Terah tells about when it talks about the animals, but it's actually each one of us have within ourselves the animalistic soul that needs to be sacrificed, and the way we need to sacrifice it, the parts that we need to sacrifice, and the ways, and, and 
the ultimate place that we need to sacrifice, which will be in Beis Hamikdash Ashlishi Mehena Viyameno Omein Selot Mehena Yitzchenen Viyasibana, that we should immediately see the building of the Beis Ashlishi in Yerushalayim Merakedesh, and there will be no more war. Vachitu Charvesam Alitim, and all the, the weapons should be turned into sharp into plows that we should just use to to plow our fields, to grow our wheat, so that we do again the tzedakis that we need to do with the wheat, so with, the, with all the mitzvahs that have to be done in a field, the mitzvahs that are done with shemitahs, etc., etc. And the, ma- the main thing is we should all be able to sit this very Shabbos with Mashiach, Yerushalayim, and Shabbat Shalom to all.